0: All right, so for those of you I haven't met, again, my name is Allison, and I'm one of the pastors here. Our lead pastor is out of town this week. And so this was actually back-to-back preaching for me, preaching last week and this week. So I thought, what better to do than to actually tie my lessons in with each other right? and have a two-parter? So I'm going to go ahead and recap last week for those who weren't here. We took a look at Ecclesiastes, Four, and we took a look at the wisdom that we could learn in uh, acknowledging that sometimes we have a preoccupation with competition and achievement, and that sometimes it becomes all too easy for us, especially in this society, to be working on getting ahead, and getting the the, the next, getting to the next level, um, and that what happens is we wind up we wind up neglecting to care for our neighbor. We wind up neglecting to see that we have strength in our unity with one another. And so that's what we talked about last week. And, and we talked about how the implications can lead to loneliness, but worse than that, they can lead to the evils of oppression. And it was kind of a heavy chapter. I don't, I don't know if everyone walked away feeling a little bit heavy after that one, but I know as I was preaching it, I definitely uh, was feeling as though it was an important message because I think in our society, we really do get really, really addicted to our achievements and our accomplishments and getting ahead, right? But we kind of quickly brushed past these two verses verses 5 and 6, and I didn't spend really hardly any time on them as we went through the the context of the full chapter. So I wanted to take us back and and take a little bit of a magnifying glass to these two specific verses. Ecclesiastes 4, verses 5 and 6. The NASB translation says, the fool folds his hands and consumes his own flesh. One handful of rest is better than two fists full of labor, and striving after the wind. Now, in the greater context of what we spoke about last week, keep in mind, we were talking about Um, competition and accomplishments, right? We were talking about that that futile sense that we get, that, that ladder climbing that we feel like we have to do where we accumulate wealth and we accumulate power and we and we make grabs at all these different opportunities for wealth and power or accomplishment and we're attracted to that, right? And so last week we talked about how we need to keep that in balance, but what we didn't talk about were these two verses that give us a little bit of insight on one of the ways we can quell and quiet some of that drive in us. These two verses here are going to highlight to us the need for rest. It's not surprising that rest comes up in Ecclesiastes here as we're getting our nuggets of wisdom. Rest is mentioned throughout scripture, right? We've got Genesis all the way to Revelation. We've got mentions of rest left, right, and sideways in scripture. And, and so I think it's an important thing for us to take a look at this morning. What is rest? What does that mean? What does this mean, a handful of rest? Well, we know what it doesn't mean based on verse 5. Oh, wait, we're not to Genesis quite yet there, bud. We know what it doesn't we know what it doesn't mean based on verse five, okay? What it isn't is laziness. It's not an excuse to just quit everything and sit back and say, all right, well I don't have to worry about a thing. I don't have to do a thing. I don't have to move at all. I am just gonna sit here, I'm just gonna rest, and God's just gonna like push things through however he wants. That's not what this is saying, right? Verse five says the fool folds his hands and consumes his own flesh. Meaning it would be foolish of us to just sit down in idleness and laziness, right? However, one handful of rest is better than two fistful of labor. So we're seeing a balance. We're seeing an amount of labor or work ethic that is balanced with this concept of rest. And this is modeled for us by God In the story of creation, now you can pop that Genesis verse up, Henry. (laughs) This is what we see happening in Genesis, right? We see that after God creates the heavens and the earth, then God rests. It says, and so the heavens and the earth were completed and their heavenly lights. By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done, and rested on the seventh day from all of his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because he rested from all of the work that he had created and made. And this passage has been used for quite a long time across many faith traditions to model for us a very literal day of Sabbath rest, right? I'm sure everyone's familiar. I'm sure everyone has heard that there's this concept of taking a day of rest a day where we're not working, a day where we're not doing things. And this can look different to lots of different people. And in a lot of faith traditions, this means we are not grocery shopping, right? In a lot of faith traditions, this means we're not gonna drive our car. We're not gonna push a lawnmower. In a lot of faith traditions, there's a very literal physical rest that has to happen on your Sabbath day. There is not lifting a finger at all. But this morning I'd like to take a look at the many different ways that we can enter God's rest. Because we have this complex picture of rest that can be both physical but also quite, quite spiritual, right? So if we want to follow the wisdom that Kohelet told us about in Ecclesiastes, we might need to say, okay, well, we're going to dedicate some time. We're going to develop the spiritual practice of Sabbath, of taking rest. But what does that have to look like for us? So I'm going to go ahead and take us through uh, a few slides here because I'm curious when you guys think of what is relaxing to you, Henry? You got me, buddy? All right, I'm curious. When you guys think of what's relaxing to you, would it be this? Ephraim has his hand up high. <laughs> Ephraim, oh, Zach. Ephraim and Zach are, are teen young men. Oh, and the third teen young man in the booth is also raising his hand. This is an example of rest and relaxation to those gentlemen. What about, what about the next one? This one? Is this restful, relaxing? Okay, we got a few on this one. All right, how about the next one? This one? Oh, a couple? Okay, oh, Naomi's hands high on that one. Okay. All right, this one. This one's polarizing. This one's polarizing. Leo and Mabel, I knew I could count on Leo and Mabel on this. Oh, (laughs) I knew. Uh, To some people, this looks very stressful. But to other people, that is restful and relaxing, right? Okay, how about the next one? Here we go. Ah, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I thought we might get some of that, the camping and fishing. Oh, here we go. This is another polarizing one. Yes? Maybe? A little? Now, Chris, you wouldn't have to be working it. You could just be enjoying it, Chris. (laughs) Chris is like, am I there for a gig, or is that my day off? (laughs) All right, and I have another one here. Okay, so if you think rest has to be actually sleeping, even that can be different, right? What do we think? A, B, C, D. Who wants to sleep? Who wants to nap like A? Okay, a lot of puppy dog lovers who want to be in their bed. Who wants to nap like B? That's me all the way. If I could be there right now, please take me. Who wants to nap like C? In a hammock. And D, just pass out on the couch. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sometimes Sabbath rest can look like an actual nap, okay? Now, I titled this sermon, Jesus Napped, and part of that was a little tongue-in-cheek because I don't know if you guys are aware, but there's actually kind of a trend right now where a lot of people are rocking t-shirts that say Jesus Napped, and they're just really proud of the notion that, hey, Jesus took a nap, I should be able to take a nap, right? Have you guys seen this? Am I the only one? Maybe I'm on social media too much. And so I decided to title it Jesus Napped because I wanted to make a silly nod to that that Jesus Napped trend that's throughout culture right now. But we're going to dig in a little more because the reference to Jesus napping that we read about in the Gospels has Jesus napping on a boat while the disciples were scared because a storm was coming. So there is more here than just the idea of a physical rest, right? There was a peace that Jesus must have had when other people were struggling to have that peace. So we have really sort of two, two sides of one coin. We have a physical, literal, napping, rest, and we have a feeling of peace. And both of those things can be described as rest, right? And I don't know that we have to completely separate the two. I think we can take a look at both of them. So I didn't make a slide for this one. So if you want to turn to it, I'm going to read from Exodus 33. I'm going to read verses 12 through 14. And and I want to take a look at an example we give of rest being offered to Moses. Okay. And the context here is that Moses is supposed to be leading the Israelites. And he's supposed to be bringing them into the promised land. But he's starting to feel as though maybe he doesn't have the full picture. Maybe he doesn't have the tools necessary. Maybe he's not sure of exactly what's going on. And and I get the sense that he's feeling a little flustered. And it says this, Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. Then the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And I will give you rest. And I think it's pretty clear to see here that Moses isn't being offered a nap. Oh, I mean, I don't know, Maybe he, maybe he got a nap too. But he isn't just being offered a nap. Moses is on a mission. God has given Moses a mission. That mission doesn't stop, and yet he's still being offered rest, right? So as we try to define for ourselves what rest might look like, what developing the spiritual discipline of rest in our lives must look like, Are we limited to making sure we're getting enough sleep? Are we limited to making sure that we're not clocking in too many hours at work? What is this concept of rest? I think with the wisdom of Ecclesiastes, coupled with the model that we see God setting for us in the creation story, coupled with Jesus napping on the boat in the midst of a storm, coupled with Moses being told that even on this mission he was going to receive rest, we can start to glean a few things that could be important guidelines for us as we develop each of us individually, as we develop what a very dedicated and intentional time of rest might look like for us. So the first one is this, and I do have a slide for it there. The first one would be this. We have to set aside anything that's designed to move the needle or get us ahead. So it means we have to have some sacred time in our week where we are setting aside our work goals, or our school goals, or our keeping up with the Joneses, or you know the societal obligations of making sure that we are doing what everyone expects of us all the time in order to gain the favor or accolades of others, in order to gain power. We have to set aside time every week intentionally where we are not motivated by those things. Right? And again, that's going to look different for each of us. Because I could ask you whether or not you should be allowed to mow the lawn during your Sabbath rest period. And the answer, I think, would be different for each of us. Why? Because some of you might say that there is a peace that comes in mowing your lawn. Some of you might say that, that pushing the lawnmower or riding on one, fancy, might wash over you a feeling of gratitude of what the Lord has given you, and a feeling of gratitude for what you're being invited to care for here, this earth. right? Maybe the sheer fact that it's white noise helps drown out your inner chatter. Maybe you just love the loud sound of the lawnmower. Your inner chatter goes away. Or maybe you have a lot of little feet you care for, and this is your break from that. Uh, Whatever it is, some of you might say, I find peace mowing the lawn. And if that's the case, then by all means, lawn mowing should be on your Sabbath. Do it then, right? For others of us, we look at our neighbor's houses, and we see how nice their lawns look, and we look at our lawn, and we see how overgrown our lawn looks, and we think, oh, no, we're the messy place on the block. And then we start saying, well, we need to get out there, we need to mow the lawn, and it becomes an obligation, a keeping up, a comparing ourselves to others. That should not fit in your intentional time of Sabbath. That is not the rest that you're being offered. So again, this is very individual, right? Let's let's take grocery shopping. Not all of us have lawns to mow. Let's take grocery shopping as an example. Okay, some of you might say, I absolutely should grocery shop on my Sabbath. Walking through the store and looking at fresh produce and being inspired to be creative and come up with a new culinary masterpiece at home is something that brings me great peace and joy. And I'm not doing it in competition with others, I'm doing it for my own sense of peace and I can thank the Lord for the fruits that have been provided and for the creativity that's been instilled in me, and I will make this, this beautiful meal, right? Cook up a storm then, grocery stop, do it, okay? But for others, it's a look in the pantry and then oh no, I'm down to mac and cheese and dino nuggets... And maybe I need to run to the store because I feel a little bit guilty serving my spouse or my kids dino nuggets again, okay? But let me tell you right now, they'll survive on dino nuggets another day. They will, they will. I don't know, am I I crazy? Does anyone know what dino nuggets are? Come on, we know dino nuggets, right? Chicken nuggets in the shape of the dinosaur. They come at Costco, so most families have a big old box of them, right? They will survive on dino nuggets another day if it means that you can enjoy your Sabbath and not feel obligated to run out to the grocery store, right? So it's quite personal, but it's important that we have an intentional time where we know today is not for moving my career goals forward. Today is not for moving my school goals forward. Today is not for competing with my neighbor, right? Today is for finding rest in the Lord. And maybe that's a nap. For the teenagers it looks like video games and napping with a puppy. That's what I saw for most of the teenagers. Okay, but... There's this other aspect, right, to, to having a peaceful spirit. If it's not going to be a physical, literal, sleeping rest, if I'm going to sit up here and preach that we need to have a, a peace and a calm in our hearts, then I'm going to have to face the fact that, quite honestly, for a lot of us today, we have very real mental health struggles that make it incredibly hard for us to just say, I'm not going to feel any anxiety today. Today is a day of no anxiety. I'm just going to pray harder and suddenly all my anxiety is gonna go away, right? I mean, that's, that's not a thing. That's not a thing. And so it's really important also, and I think the second thing that we need to do if we're gonna commit ourselves to have a, a, a specific time that is dedicated to rest, is that we need to prioritize our mental and emotional health. We need to make sure that we are taking the steps needed to work on our mental and emotional health. And this might mean getting a counselor, right? This might mean practicing some mindfulness. For some people, it can even mean medication. But just like when we get physically sick, when we have a physical injury, sure, we pray for healing, we do. We serve a great, great God who offers us healing. Amen and hallelujah. But we also go to the doctor, right? And we accept the gift of modern medicine. And we need to be doing the same for ourselves here when it comes to our mental and emotional health. Because it will be impossible for you to develop the spiritual discipline of Sabbath rest if you have an entire day that you're supposed to be at peace and instead you are feeling anxious, right? You're consumed by depression. It's really, really hard to feel rest, feel at peace when these are things that you are suffering from. And so maybe this is, maybe this is your little reminder that it's okay to go find a counselor. It's okay to take time to actually pay attention to your triggers and the things that are hard for you. It's okay to take steps in making sure that your mental health is, is uh, that you're well cared for, and I think together we start to see if we're going to take some time, if we're going to develop this spiritual discipline, if we're going to say we want to have specific allotment of time, be it a day of the week, be it a chunk of a few hours, start somewhere. Give yourselves a set a set amount of hours, maybe if, if you don't think you can commit to a full day but start somewhere to develop the practice to say, I am supposed to also rest. God rested. Jesus rested. I am supposed to also rest. Physically, emotionally, mentally. It doesn't have to constantly be about the next thing, getting to the next thing, getting to the next thing. And so that's, that's my challenge for you this morning and throughout this week. I think that when Pastor Dave first mentioned that he wanted to take a look at how our society has shaped our church, I think this is kind of a big topic because our society doesn't give a lot of space for rest. We are told to have a strong work ethic, right? We are told to pursue the American dream, and if you work hard enough, great things will happen. These are things that we are told. But within the context of God's kingdom, there has to be rest. There is rest. We're being offered rest. We're being commanded to rest, <laughs> right? So this morning throughout this week, maybe take some time. Take some time with the Lord and ask, what should rest look like in my life? What are the ways that I can dedicate a specific set amount of time at specific intervals that I can protect as holy times of rest. And is it a nap? Is it, is it video games? I don't know. Is it camping? Whatever it is, protect it as a time that you are not trying to move the needle and get ahead. Protected as a time that you are with the Lord and everything else is still and quiet for you. I'd like to invite you to take just a minute here. We're going to have just a, a minute of silence so you can start that conversation with God now. And God can reveal to you what that might look like in your life. Loving creator... Merciful God, giver of life and all things, we are so humbled to be in the presence of such a great and powerful God. We know that you have given us spirits that want to be driven. Lord, we know that you've given each of us an individual mission to be on, Lord. Lord, this morning, we ask you to help us navigate that balance. As we reflect on what it means to keep a handful of rest, Lord, we ask you to reveal to us what that should look like. Does it need to follow a set of rules, God? We ask your spirit to move to help us remember that you are with us always, that you do not leave us, that you are by our side and you are offering us rest. Lord, we pray that you would help us to to grow in that area. Sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it's not easy to quiet our thoughts or set aside our very real obligations. And we ask, Lord, that you would be present with us. And whether it's a few small moments or the span of a whole day or the, or the rare beauty of a chunk of sabbatical time, Lord, whatever it might be for us, Lord, we just pray that you would Grant us the breath of peace that only you can offer. We love you, and we praise you, and we're so thankful that you are here with us, helping us to learn and grow this morning. Amen.